Welcome to another edition of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton, and we got a good one for you this episode. We got NFL Network's Jim Trotter coming through, as well as we got former NFL wide receiver, now trainer, and also my cousin, Quentin Patton. But first, I'm going to ask you to subscribe to on whatever platform that you listen, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, would you please give me the five-star rating and a great review? I'd greatly appreciate it. Now on to the early hits for this week. <clears throat> and they're both involving players and being unhappy. Aaron Rodgers is going to show up at camp. Yes, I knew that would be something crazy to say probably about a month or so ago. But yes, Aaron Rodgers is going to show up at camp. The veteran was ready to sit out camp, of course, because... He was unhappy with the Packers, and of course, the reigning MVP eventually came to an agreement uh, with the organization for him to come to camp. Although it's believed that this will probably be the last season there. After the season, they're supposed to get together and talk about the season. I guess come to some kind of agreement, but you know, I don't think he'll end up being there after this season. And you know, this all lines up for two things to happen for him after the 2021 season. He'll more than likely be on another team and he'll more than likely be in line to get paid again. So there we have it. Aaron Rodgers, go ahead and make this your last dance in Green Bay and guess go ahead and make it count because it's probably going to be you and uh, more than likely it'll be Aaron Rodgers and uh, Devontae Adams. They more than likely both will be gone. You know, this is the way it looks right now. Of course, there is a whole season. Things could change. And, of course, speaking of unhappy people, uh, the second early hit is Arizona's Chandler Jones. He's unhappy, and he wants to be traded from the Arizona Cardinals because of wanting new money and a new extension. He is currently making $15.5 million right now for this season, but he wants an extension and more guaranteed money. Jones has been very productive when he has been healthy. That's the key thing. When he has been healthy. He was missed last year. Then he tore biceps or triceps last year. Um, of course, they need him there, honestly, because they can't depend on J.J. Watt to be their main pass rusher, who they acquired this offseason. Uh, excuse me, signed this offseason. So, you know, especially it also Hassan Reddick left in free agency for the Carolina Panthers. So this is going to be a situation to watch for sure to see if he does come back or if he decides He's going to hold out for what he wants and more money. Those are my two quick hits for this week. Stay tuned. This week, we got two interviews for you. Of course, we're going to start it with Mr. Jim Trotter. So after this quick break, we'll be right back and we'll get into the business. This is Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. This
welcome everybody to uh touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton. And of course, a lot of things have happened in the AFC South, you know, with offseason, movement, trades, hires, things like that. It's a lot to keep up with. And to be honest, it helps sometimes to get another source of information on the hap- on the happenings in the AFC South. So I figured I'd reach out to someone that has elite insight on the NFL. He is one half of the Huddle and Flow podcast, as well as currently works with the NFL Network. You've probably seen his face on television a few times as well. And, you know, of course, he's talking about all the information that he has privy, you know, he's privy to. Welcome, everyone. Jim Trotter to touring the AFC South. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, bro. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, for those that aren't, uh, you know, very aware of how you got there or want to know how you got there, I mean, how did you get started in the business? <laughs> God, it seems like a lifetime ago, man. Um, <laughs> I, I, I knew I had an interest in being a sports journalist as far back as high school, uh, but I never had an opportunity to work for my school paper because, you know, there was a conflict of interest, me playing sports and then writing about my teammates. It just wouldn't work. So when I finished high school, I had some offers to play small college football, but I knew I was never going to go to the NFL. So my whole mindset was, let me go get prepared for, you know, the ability to make to, to have a career. And so right away, I started um, majoring in communications and then an emphasis in journalism, obviously. And my whole goal was to try and stay as close to the game as I could without actually playing it. And so ended up going, um, I had to save some money to go to Howard University. So I went and got my G's out of the way at uh, Cal State. At that time, it was called Cal State Hayward. It's now Cal State East Bay. Transferred to Howard, got my degree there, and really just started working my way up. Started out in a small paper in Muskegon, Michigan for a year. Went to Tacoma, Washington for a couple of years. Went to the San Diego Union Tribune for 18 years. And then from there was on Sports Illustrated, um, ESPN, and now NFL Network. So it's just been about grinding, man, and trying to do something you love um, and loving the game of football the way that I do. Uh, it's really been a blessing to be able to make a living at, at, at covering something I love. Well, what position did you play, if you don't mind me asking? No, I was I was everywhere, man. I was a wide receiver. I was a deep cornerback and I was actually a kicker. I love kicking. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, most people frown at kickers like they're not real football players, but I actually liked um, that part of it as well. So it was just those three things. You know, I wasn't I wasn't big enough for the pounding that you would take at the high school at the way we ran. And we were a run oriented team, so we didn't throw a lot. So I wasn't necessarily big enough for that pounding. We would take it running back at that time. I think I was 158 pounds soaking wet. Um, and so, you know, I just played out on the perimeter and um, and loved it. So uh, I wish I'd go back and do it again. Man, you know how that is. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The, the high school and well, the high school and college days. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Yeah. I'll I'll, uh, I'll do without the bumps and bruises, but definitely the playing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, well, you know, now we talked about a little bit about how you kind of got into the business and everything. I know the big thing that everyone is talking about is about 
uh, the new things that uh, the NFL has, has put out about, you know, vaccine and unvaccinated, things like that. Um, for those that aren't aware, the rules could, could include potential forfeits for teams that have an outbreak with unvaccinated players. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, and how do you think this situation will go? You know, it's um, – you can go beyond football here, and, and I would just say this this whole thing is an unfortunate situation that I, I can't remember a time where so many people actually actually question science and, and um, people's health and what it means for people's health. And – this whole discussion about vaccinations or unvaccinated, all I know is what the data tells us. And the data says that 90% of the people who are contracting COVID and being hospitalized are people who are unvaccinated. And while the vaccine doesn't stop you from um, uh, contracting COVID, it does mitigate the consequences of it. So. That's a long-winded way of saying, for me, I, I wish it's just a personal opinion. Everyone can do, obviously, whatever they feel is, is in their heart and in their best interest. I wish people would be vaccinated um, so that hopefully we could start to get back to a sense of, of everyday life where you can go out, um, where you don't have to worry about, is someone vaccinated, aren't they vaccinated? Um, all those sorts of things. And in the NFL, as it relates to that, look, the league has made a business decision here that it feels it is in the best interest of its owners and its teams that players be vaccinated. And if you're not, um, and it can be traced to you that there's an outbreak that ends up costing your team the ability to play a game, um, they put in some pretty harsh penalties. Um, they still haven't answered the question that, that I have, and what if a vaccinated player um infects the locker room and prevents a team from playing a game uh should that player not be subject to the same discipline as an unvaccinated player so um it's 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 a for me it's a complicated issue it's a multi-layered issue me personally again i wish people would get vaccinated this whole thing about us questioning the science on this the data says that we would be much quicker getting out of this thing if everyone were vaccinated, but there are just folks who don't want to do it. And, and that's their right. I hear you. I hear you. Well, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see an end of uh, this pandemic and all those things eventually, hopefully. I, you know, Mike, truthfully, I don't, I don't know when that's going to be. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, Sometimes I just wonder, can you go back to whatever? I always love when people say they want to get back to normal. What is normal? You there, know? There's not going to be a, another same normal anymore. No, no, everything has changed. And um, for me, it's more about I just want people to be healthy. You know, I don't want to have to worry about if my mom goes into a place who has some underlying conditions is she going to become infected and therefore it compromises her life or a family member's life or anyone else's life, you know, for that matter, man. And that's why I say if the data reflects that if you get the vaccine, the chances of you dying from it um, or being seriously harmed by it is, is, is so far removed from what it could be, 
I just wish people would get vaccinated. I truly do. But, you know, everything in our society now is a fight, you know, and you're on one side or the other. And I, truthfully, I don't have the energy to go out and try and convince people to do anything. Live your life. I'm going to live mine. That's the best we can do. Right. I hear you there. I hear you there. Now, of course, we've addressed that and kind of uh, went into that a little bit. Um, of course, we like to talk about, uh, of course, the teams in the AFC South and actually what's going on on the field with them. And of course, what's happening off season. Um, of course, we got to start with the champions of the AFC South, which are the Tennessee Titans, of course. Um, of course, big news this offseason, trading for Julio Jones. And did you did you actually see that one coming? Or did you believe that was going to happen? And, you know, when you saw the, the talk about it? Yeah, I, I thought it was a possibility. Look, we knew the Falcons were going to move Julio. And it ultimately got to the point where Julio publicly said he wasn't coming back. So we knew something was going to go down. The question was which team was going to make the best offer um, to acquire him. So um, did I believe 100% at the start of that, that, that the Titans would be the team where he would wind up? No. Did I believe that they were, were always players? Yes. So, um, so I wasn't shocked by it. You know, the, the longer I'm in this business, the less surprised I am at player movement and in particular star player movement. Um, the league is changing now and players are starting to understand the power and the levers that they have in terms of requesting and in some cases demanding trades. So uh, I, I've kind of conditioned myself not to be surprised anymore and you just have to flow with it and look, I'm a traditionalist in the sense that there are certain players who are iconic players with a franchise that in my mind, I would hope that they would never play for another team. You know, I was born in San Francisco. I grew up in the Bay Area, followed the 49ers. Man, it hurt to see Joe Montana go put on a Kansas City Chiefs uniform or to see Jerry Rice go over to the Raiders and then on to, to other clubs, you know, or to see Ronnie Lott, who's one of my all-time favorites, um, put on another team's uniform. But what we have found now is that if these players want to move, if they feel, you know, that it's in their best interest, they're going to take care of themselves. Who would have ever thought Tom Brady would play for another team? I didn't. You know, after 20 years in New England, all those championships, everything else, I could have never imagined that he would play for another team. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I had this conversation with, with Larry Fitzgerald. Um, a while back where, you know, we were working on a project together and, and I asked him about, you know, early in his career, he had a contract that was so player friendly that it really compromised the team. And there were a couple of points there where the club had to make a decision. Are we going to restructure him or assign him to an extension or do we try and trade him? Because he had all the leverage based on how the contract was constructed. And it was not friendly to the team at all. And I remember Larry telling me that, that early in his career, he was fine if they wanted to move him, you know, and go play for another team. It's a, in his mind, it was a business and you always put business first. But as he got older and after he got past a certain point with the Cardinals, he came to realize that his feelings had changed. And it got to a point that he didn't want to play for another team, even if he could have, which he could have in recent years. And playing for one club meant something to him. So um, 
so I know that's a long-winded way of answering your question. Uh, no, I wasn't surprised. A little bit surprised that the Titans ultimately won um, the rights to Julio, but not surprised that he would be moved. Gotcha. And now, do you think this move propels them closer to being Super Bowl contenders? I'm No, I don't think Super Bowl contenders. Um, that's an interesting division from the standpoint of we just don't know how Carson Wentz is going to play for the Colts. And if Carson Wentz plays well as he did under Doug Peterson when Doug was the OC with the Eagles, then those, the Colts are a danger um, to play for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I still think Kansas City is the best team. Um, but the Colts, if Carson Wentz can play at that level, they're loaded. I mean, they're good defensively. They've got a great offensive line. They have some issues, obviously, out of wide receivers. Some young guys have to finally step up and break through. But for the most part, they're a very sound, talented football team. So for me, Tennessee's got to get past it, you know, the division first before we can start talking about Super Bowls. Now, one thing that a lot of people have talked about this past season was their defense. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, you know, they added Bud Dupree, they added Danico Archery from the, from the Colts. I uh, got George Jenkins from the Saints. I mean, brought back Jam Brown, an inside linebacker. Do you think they did enough to make their defense better? The interesting thing is that they brought in folks, but then they let a lot of names go as well. I mean, when you look at that defense. So they clearly believe that they could be better with uh, from the outside than what they had on the inside. Um, do I believe that they're better? Yeah, you know, I'm a big Bud, Bud Dupree fan. Um, I know he's coming off the knee injury and whatnot, but I really love the way he plays the game and what he brings. Um, they've added more, in my opinion, they're not star names, but they're solid NFL players. And so from that st standpoint, yeah, I do think they're better defensively. Um, and look, the reality is a defense's best friend is a strong running game. And we know the Titans have that. And now they have a passing game that's been elevated with Julio there to go with A.J. Brown and, you know, and Ryan Tannehill, who everyone used to dump on, has shown himself to be a very capable quarterback in that offense. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play without um, Arthur Smith there as their offensive coordinator and play caller now that he's in Atlanta. But I think they'll be fine. I, if I had to pick a front runner for that division, I would probably pick Tennessee because I just don't know about Carson Wentz at this point. Gotcha. And the one thing I would say about that uh, Arthur Smith does that a lot of people don't mention is he kind of created matchups. Like with the uh, like when he created the matchup, remember against, I don't know if you remember, but uh, when they were playing against the Bears and they lined up A.J. Brown in the slot, kind of uh, created that matchup with him and Buster Screen or Screen, or I can't remember how you say his last name. But anyway. Had him in the slot, and he ran like a uh, he ran a fly pattern out of the slot to kind of match up with uh, uh, Buster Scrine. Is it Scrine or, or I've heard it both ways. Okay, and he was you know basically beating for a touchdown in the end zone. So you know they're gonna miss that portion of how he uh, would scheme up things. They're definitely gonna miss that. But see, we say that only because we don't know what's behind them. That's true too. We do that with players as well. When a, when a name player leaves a team and everyone wants to panic, look, everybody gets their start somewhere. So, you know, I'm going to wait to see what the OC does now. 
offensively in terms of his play calling and whatnot. The other thing is, look, they have one of the better pass catching tight ends in the league um, who is no longer there, who's now in New England. So how much does that offensive offense change in terms of schematically some of the things they want to do? We know they're going to run the ball, but you have to believe now that part of their offense philosophy, too, is going to push the ball down the field, um, knowing that you have a guy like Julio to go with A.J. Brown. So it, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Um, and, you know, truthfully, when you look at the rest of that division, you say Jacksonville, those should be victories. Houston, those should be victories. So they're set up now where the one team they have to worry about in that division is the Colts. And if they can win those games, and obviously, as every coach tells his team before the start of the season, the easiest road to the playoffs is to win your division. It doesn't matter what your record is. I've seen teams going at seven and nine. I've seen teams going at eight and eight. And I've seen those teams win games in the playoffs. So um, so I have, I have to believe Mike Rabel is focused simply on Indianapolis Colts right now and trying to win that division. All right. Now, of course, you mentioned them already, and that's the uh, <clears throat> Indianapolis Colts. And, of course, you know, the big move was Carson Wentz. Now, you know, are you – what are you, are you hearing about the relationship there between him and Frank Reich, and can they recapture the magic? Do you, you have a hopes in that? Uh, I won't rule it out. Look, I, I, I'll say this to you. I did not like the way that Carson Wentz responded last year um, to adversity. Um, it was almost like he wanted to take his ball and go home when he got benched. And to me, I would have liked to have seen more fight from him. So the one thing he has, though, he has trust in Frank Reich. And they have obviously a good working relationship from their time in Philadelphia. So... Is he going to recapture his form? I, I Honestly, there's no way for me to know. There's no way for any of us to know. If I had to predict, I think he's going to be better than he was a year ago under Frank. Um, because something that's important here, we sometimes we forget players are people. And relationships matter. And how you make a player feels um, can go a long way towards determining how he performs. And I think that Carson at this point feels like he's in a safe place. And the fact that he feels that, the fact that they have an offensive line that can protect him, and the fact that they can run the football tells me that he should be in a good situation. And I think that Frank, um, every place he's been in terms of working with quarterbacks, has developed that kind of relationship and, and chemistry with his quarterback that they have performed really well, even going back to, to the, uh, his time with the Chargers with Phillip Rivers. So I, expect, I do expect that, that Carson will play better than he did this past season in Philadelphia. But what does that mean? How much better? That's what we don't know. Right, right. You're correct. You're correct. Now, defensively, of course, you know, they drafted uh, Quiddy Pay with their first pick um, to be the answer for, you know, their outside pass rush. Do you believe that he's kind of set up to succeed or do you believe there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to, to be great? Oh, there's a lot of pressure on him to, to provide an edge presence. Look, I, I love DeForest Buckner on the inside. Um, he, he's a tremendous talent. He will occupy um, multiple blockers. So, but I always get nervous when people put projections on guys who have never played it down in the league, you know? Um, and the other thing is, it's hard for me if I don't see it in college, that type of production translate to the NFL. Um, 
So I, I'm cautious about that one. I don't know that it's going to be what everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but what the Colts and their fan base expect it to be. There's a tremendous amount of pressure on the young man. So um, he's, I'm one of those he's got to show me at this point because I didn't see it in college to the level that I would say I believe that this guy, like when we saw Chase Young in college, you said right away as you watched him, man, he transitions to the NFL well right. in terms of being an edge presence. Can't say that um, in this case. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I just uh... – I had some of those same same thoughts that you had as well because I watched a lot of his tape and I was like, you know, I see him and I see the ability, but I just don't see it all the time. And you know, I I wonder who's if if they can tap into that with the Colts or not. That's why I, I have questions about that too. You know, Colts definitely are an interesting team, but another team that's got a lot of uh, energy around them right now would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, of course, we got you know. Gardner Minshew talking about he hadn't taken number two in two weeks, which I, <laughs> that that definitely made me laugh a little bit. But um, you know, there's a lot of uh, optimism there with uh, Urban Meyer and uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, being there. Uh, what are your thoughts on this marriage between Lawrence and Meyer? Do you do you see it kind of melding together with with uh, what all they're trying to do there? You know, the thing I wrote, um, I had to do something with a storyline for each team coming into to camp. And the thing I wrote about the Jaguars wasn't even about players. It was, how is Urban Meyer going to handle losing? Because they're not going to win right away. And I think, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, so forgive me if the numbers are off. But in as a college coach, I think in 12 years, he had one losing season. He had only um, – um, I was at Florida, I believe, too. I can't remember exactly where it was, but he, he had one losing season in 12 years, I believe. So we know the NFL, he's going to struggle early because he's got to create a culture and he's got to bring in the personnel that he feels he can win with and all of that. My question is how does he handle that? Because how he handles it, is going to go a long ways toward determining what that culture is going to be in Jacksonville and how those players are going to handle it. And for instance, we saw, go back a little bit in history, when you saw Nick Saban with the Dolphins, um, he didn't handle losing well. And when I say handle it, I mean creating a culture in which your players feel that you're on the right path. You know, that even though you may have lost a game, you are building towards something, you know, positive. Right. And if a coach does not portray that, then players, they're not going to play for you. That's true. You're not going to be successful. And so I'm and, and truthfully, that was a question I had about Kyle. One of the questions I had about Kyle Shanahan when he went to the 49ers. He was known for being a very emotional coach. Um, very quick-tempered, and my question was, even to people within the organization, how is this man going to handle losing? Because they're not going to win right away. And I didn't think he would handle it well, and he did. And part of that is because he had a general manager who really balanced him out well, who is more level-headed, if you will, or more cool and calm, I should say, and could 
Kyle could handle John being the sounding board. He could he could take all of his emotions and he could put them on John and keep it away from the players and then go to the players and then present that positive image that you need to keep building it. I'm interested to see how Urban Meyer handles this because if he doesn't handle it well, he's not going to be there long. Another thing also uh, to kind of pair this, the 49ers and the Jaguars, Trent Baalke is now the GM. Right. Former GM with Harbaugh out in uh, San Francisco. And we saw how that pair kind of went with the college coach becoming the pro coach. So there's there's already a little bit of, you know, symmetry there. (laughs) Yeah, I'll say this to you, though. Um, If you looked at Harbaugh's track record, he had never been anywhere longer than, I think, four years prior to going to Michigan. And some would say that there's a reason for that, that he grates on people, you know, and and he can be difficult at times, very emotional, um, you know, has his own set of ideas. So in that case, when we talk about Jim and Trent, um, Jim can be tough to work with at times. I think Trent, what I have heard in terms of his relationship with with Urban Meyer to this point is really good. And the two of them are on the same page. And um, in fact, when they offered the job to Trent, initially he wanted to take some time so the two of them could work together and that Urban could be sure this is the guy that I want there, that I want to work with. So, you know, I have confidence that Trent's going to do do well there. My question is, how patient is Irving going to be? Gotcha. Now, speaking of patient, um, that, that Jags defense, I don't think he's going to be too patient if they play like they did last year. Um, <laughs> couldn't stop the run, couldn't really stop the pass. Um, some would say that uh, – Derrick Henry was their boogeyman last year. So he was a lot of teams boogeyman. <laughs> That's true too. That's true. But especially theirs. Um, yeah. theirs and Houston's. But um, you know, do you think with the additions that they've made this year that they'll be better? I mean, I mean, there's nowhere to go but up, right? Well, see that you answered the question for me. <laughs> People say it can't be any worse, right? <laughs> right, right. So, so yeah, I do I do expect them to be, be- uh to be better. Um just from that standpoint. But again, Mike, it's going to take time, man. You know, whenever you bring in a new coach and a new system, unless you step into a situation where they've been stockpiling for years. So like you saw when Harbaugh went to the 49ers or um, uh, there's one other one I was going to mention to you as well, Uh, or I'm sorry, Ron Rivera up in Washington where they had been stacking first round picks, particularly along the defensive line. Um, unless you step into situations like that, it takes a moment to put your program in place. And it's going to take time for the Jaguars to get it right. Um, but again, that's why I say it's important to have a sense or a feeling that everything is moving in the right direction, even if you are not. Look at Cleveland. Cleveland was stockpiling high picks, you know, and talent for years. And now it's finally come together because they have the right coach and, um, They have the right general manager and there is synergy within that organization for the first time in a long, long time. But again, Kevin Stefanski stepped into a really great situation in terms of there being young talent there. 
And now some of the moves the Browns have made this offseason, to me, um, on paper at least, make them a real threat, um, you know, to, to go all the way and reach the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not going to tell too many of my uh, Browns fans that I that I know that one. No, no, they're going to listen. They're going to listen. I'm just joking. But anyway, <laughs> but, uh, you know, definitely, you know, we've talked about all, well, three of the four teams, but we could not talk about the Houston Texans. Well, we just saw where, uh, you know, of course, Deshaun Watson reports. And, of course, you know, they're still talking about trading him. Uh, I know I didn't, we didn't kind of go into this one, but, um, wow, just do you really think they get all of that for him? They want five draft picks and a combination of five high draft picks, and uh, it, it just seems like a lot. He's worth it, he's what he's that good, he's that good. And there, is. there are teams that will be willing to give up an awful lot for him. Um, I'm still curious to see whether or not he's going to wind up on the commissioner's exempt list. That's what I've wondered as well. I've always, I've wondered that. I've, honestly, I've thought, why is it taking so long to make that decision? That that's, I've thought about that one too. Yeah. No. Uh, anytime you try and predict discipline and why the league does what it does in certain cases, I have no idea, man. It just, it, it's, it's, it's hard to follow. Um, and the double standard in terms of how players are treated versus how owners are treated, that's another story for another day um, because it's the, the hypocrisy there is mind-boggling. But I still say, ultimately, I do think he's going to wind up on the commissioner exempt list um, at some point. So um, he's not been charged with anything. He's not been convicted of anything. But as they say in the personal conduct policy, you don't have to be charged. You don't have to be convicted. It's up to the discretion of the commissioner. And um, and the fact that they've been looking into this for so long and nothing has been determined um, says to me maybe they need more time. I don't know. But um, that's a bad situation in Houston. I hear you there. Now, as far as Houston as a whole, they've got a lot going on. They've probably got the most guys on one-year contracts in the NFL. So here's my thing about Houston. The guy that I feel really bad for is David Culley. Right. I did not know until he was hired and we had him on the podcast and just what a tremendous man, you know, um, so positive. He's paid his dues, all of that. But as I said to him and I'll say it here, so I'm not speaking out of term, I believe he's just a sacrificial lamb. And I believe that ultimately what Casario and Jackie used to be, what I ideally want is for Josh McCown to be the head coach of the Houston Texans. And once they feel he's ready, um, after David Culley takes all these L's, then I believe that they will promote Josh McCown um, to be the head coach. And I just think that's, that's sad. Um, I think David Culley deserves better. But, you know, one thing we know about the NFL, it's not fair. Um, you know, it's a, it's a cold-blooded business, and you have to remember that it is a business. It's not a game. It's a business. And unfortunately, I think David Culley is going to pay the price for some really bad management that's gone on with the Houston Texans. I'm just like, wow, you know. I, the funny thing was I actually was talking, cracking a joke about them interviewing Josh McCown, 
And then now you said about it makes a lot of sense now. Now that I think about it, I'm trying to think exactly how much I can say without without betraying anything. I'll just say to you, I feel very comfortable saying that I would not be shocked if Josh McCown becomes a head coach of the Houston Texans in a year or two. Gotcha. We'll leave it there. <laughs> um, now. You know, another guy that's uh, a guy that's coming back into the NFL, actually, after being uh, let go from the University of Illinois, is Levy Smith, which I used to love watching his defenses. Wherever he went, his defenses competed. They played hard. They did everything. But, of course, he's in Houston. He's kind of, you know, he, he he's kind of not being dealt a great hand. Do you think he can make some yeah, you're being kind. You're being kind. I, I know. I was being nice. <laughs> Do you think you can make some magic happen with this defense? No. You win with players in the NFL, you know? And that's the thing that always killed me when the Patriots were winning all those championships when they won three out of four and whatnot. And people kept talking about Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick. And he's a great coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach one day. But the reality is you win with players, and you have to have the players to win games and win championships. And even back then, that defense that the Patriots had was loaded. Um, in terms of these veteran players who were so smart, so talented, understood their roles and whatnot. In Lovey's case, same thing, man. You got to have players to win in the NFL, and he doesn't have those. And it's going to be tough on them, just like it's going to be tough offensively for them as well. Yep, definitely, definitely. And it's going to be interesting because of, you know, Tyrod Taylor there again. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I don't know if he holds on to that starting job for that long either. Because it's just the pattern of what's happened over his career. Yeah. It just depends on if Deshaun is, is permitted to play and if they hold on to him for this year. You know, for me, the, the this if you were going to trade him, this was not the time to do it in terms of leverage right. um, and what you were going to get from other teams. So that's why it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you haven't done anything to help your team for this year if you do trade him now. So... Um, so I would be surprised if the trade were to, if a trade were to happen um, during camp or the preseason, which is not to say that it won't, but I would be surprised because I think real leverage would come if he's allowed to play this year. Your real leverage would come in the offseason when teams are looking to upgrade. Gotcha. Well, that's all I got for you. That's all I got. I'm out of questions. Uh, oh, good, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just want to thank you again for coming on. And, uh, you know, giving us uh, some of your elite knowledge that you have during your, your knowledge, man. Come on now. I mean, I it is. Well, well, in a way, because, see, I'm just now, I, you know, I had been on vacation for like three plus weeks. So I'm just now starting to really dig in and start to do my homework as we get ready to go to camp. And and so I feel like in some ways I'm not even as up to speed as I should be. So I'm playing catch up now. Um, I'm taking off for New Orleans soon. But I'll get there. So I don't know how much elite knowledge I gave your your audience, but um, hopefully it was enough just to be somewhat interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, you gave us a lot of knowledge today, and I I definitely uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, uh, can you tell uh, tell us uh, you know where where we uh, if if people don't know where they can reach you, and then also any other things you may have going on? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, at NFL.com. I'm on Twitter, Jim Trotter underscore NFL. And um, 
you know, in terms of things that I have going on or working on, uh, I've got some projects that I'm working on that, you know, we're just getting started on. We haven't even started, you know, they're in the formative stage. So I don't want to say much about that yet because I don't want anyone else on them. But, you know, the thing for me is what I'm trying to do is, is go places where not everyone is going, you know, because I think in journalism too many times there's sort of a herd mentality. And, you know, we all we just follow each other like in, in packs, one player to the next. And, and truthfully, with this pandemic, it's been kind of set up that way where you almost have to to some degree because your access is so limited um, in terms of virtual calls and those sorts of things. But for me, I'm looking for more human interest stories. I'm looking to show things that these players are doing in terms of their activism um, and, and to help people understand who they are as people, not just as players. So, um, you know, hopefully we can get a little deeper into that this year because you know, I truly believe the longer you're in this business, you have to find where your passion is and what your purpose is. And for me, look, I've, I've done game stories, I've done features, that type of thing. Um, before I'm out of this game, I'd like to do more of, of things that are really important that shine a light on, on, on things that make a difference, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense, makes a lot of sense. And uh, again, uh, I, I did wanna know if, if the, when the podcast, is the podcast coming back? When's it coming back? Anything there? I'm gonna say to you right now, my my guess is it's not coming back. Okay. All right. Well, I'm still gonna listen to the other episodes and and kind of I guess relive the moments. I appreciate <laughs> that. We appreciate everyone who was listening to it. So it's kind of disappointing, but um, one day it'll all come. It'll it'll the story will come out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, again, thank you for your time. Uh, everybody tuned in. Uh, this has been, uh, of course, touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton, and of course, guest, Jim Trot. This Welcome to Touring the ASC South. We're back. I'm your host, Mike Patton. And, uh, of course, players are reporting to training camp. And, of course, you know, players are coming in. I mean, training the offseason is wrapping up. And, you know, I figured with uh, since, you know, you have so many injuries and you have so many that are, you know, trained exclusive ways, then I would bring in someone that knows a little bit about training and also is a former NFL player as well. And also, he's family. It's my cousin. <laughs> what's going on quinn what's up with it because ain't nothing much <laughs> <laughs> for everybody that doesn't know my cousin former nfl wide receiver quinn Patton. so we gotta talk about uh for those that not, are not aware so those that might know let's talk about the draft story mm-hmm. so you get drafted by the 49ers mm-hmm. and what exactly happens after you get drafted by the 49ers so so, so you know what I'm saying, even before, you know what I'm saying, I got drafted, that night before, I was actually upset that I didn't go to the second day. You know what I'm saying? So, 
I actually went out, you know what I'm saying? Then I woke up to Trent Baalke calling me and said, hey, we're about to draft you to the 49ers. I'm like, appreciate you. Great. After that, I bought my own plane ticket out there because I didn't know no better. I was just <laughs> like, hey, y'all picked me up. I'm trying to get to work. I'm trying to get, get you know what I'm saying, early bird gets the worm. Yeah, man. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, wow, he done made national news. Cuz done made national news. And didn't need me to. I didn't need me to. <laughs> <laughs> man, but hey, I, I I definitely was like, yeah, that's my cousin right there. <laughs> that is my cousin. But uh, yeah, man. So you played four years uh, for the 49ers. Uh, of course, you played in the, in the uh, Alliance of American Football League with the Birmingham Iron. And then you come back to the area, and next thing you know, you're involved in training. Exactly how did that happen? Well, it was really – everything really kind of flowed together and meshed pretty good because Jeremy Holt. Jeremy Holt is really the plug. Jeremy Holt and Riley Howard in Nashville, two great trainers in Nashville. They're training over there at David Lipscomb. But, yeah, like I was, uh, like you said, played four years. Now I went to American Alliance Football League. That got shut down. Well, and then when I was in the American Alliance Football League, I kind of, I ain't no science, say kind of, but I did tear a ligament in my wrist the first game, and I just played the whole season through it. So I had to get surgery all over again after that. And then about that time, you know, I'm getting up in age, and I'm just like, man, my kids getting older, you know what I'm saying? They starting to do sports, getting getting activated, you know what I'm saying, around, around town and everything, and I was just like, hey, yo, Jeremy, is it cool if I hang around here? He was like, hey, you know, we family. So it really kind of messed together. Gotcha, you, gotcha. You. So what can you say you've learned about uh, training since that you didn't know when you started? Man, first off, them tight ends, I got, I got a whole different respect for tight ends because that's what <laughs> we mostly deal with, you know what I'm saying? But what I've learned is that it's just – it just – how blessed I was personally to have great coaches as a young as a young player coming up at five years old, six years old, you know, down in Una, you know, saying your daddy, Uncle John, and you know, <laughs> PA, and you know, saying Mike Vaughn and all them. They was just great coaches that taught us the great fundamentals at the beginning. Because nowadays, when they come to see see me, see Jeremy, see Riley, like they got all the athletic ability in the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what they put in the water. I think it's the Chick-fil-A because we didn't have that. You know what I'm saying? But they just ain't got the fundamentals. You know what I'm saying? Like back in the day, we had fundamentals before we did everything. So the biggest thing it, I did is like the you want to have great coaching as a young player coming yeah. up. Okay. Now, speaking of training, I, I definitely uh, knew you were out there at tight end U. I, I spoke to Teron Davenport and he saw you, man. Yeah. So, uh, uh, how was it out there working with all those talented tight ends, man? Man, first off, I didn't know that they make them that big, that strong, that fast nowadays. <laughs> like, they out there really running like their receivers, like skill position. But the tight ends is just a lot of energy, a lot of fun, a lot of just love going around the air. Everybody's just there for one goal, and that's to get information and get better at what they do. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of didn't like the way they they did Kittle with, but uh, asking them about uh Tim Tebow being out there, man. I, I, uh, I yeah, I don't know, man. They ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, now, one big name they do have in the ASC South this year, of course, that's come to town is Julio Jones. Julio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, of course, he has an issue with uh, he, you know, he's had an issue in the past with hamstrings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with players that are coming off injuries or have an injury history, you all attack training a little bit differently with someone of that nature. Uh, yeah, I, I say, you know, when you get up in age and you get to a certain stature. In, in your football career and everything like that, we just want to get you healthy to the next game. You know what I'm saying? Like training camp, like right now, I would say that Julio's probably going out there. Let, let me just get my rhythm back. You know what I'm saying? He probably won't start really going up until probably two or three weeks from now. You know what I'm saying? So you attack it different just because, man, I've been through so many training camps. I didn't did so many reps because you, you never know when your last rep going to be. You know what I'm saying? So they just I, – I feel like Julio just going to attack it. I mean, like he always do. I mean, a change of scenery can change everything. So, you know what That's I'm saying? Cool. Him just being – you know what I'm saying? In a whole different scenery, his body might feel a whole different vibe. You know what I'm saying? He might not ever get injured again. He might not. He might will. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? You know what I'm saying? But I say he probably just doing the same routine. But, you know, once you get older, it takes you a little bit longer to get ready, you know what I'm saying, so. Right, right, so mm-hmm. I would say probably a lot more stretching involved as well, too. A lot more stretching. He probably does stretch, but he probably just, I don't know, he probably does something else, you know what I'm saying, in this routine that he probably didn't do in Atlanta, you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know what it is. It might be stretching. It might be, you know what I'm saying, doing some jumping jacks, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it might be anything, but I think he's going to have a great season because they can't stack the box. They can't, they can't play man. They can't, I don't know. They can't do, they can't do a lot of stuff. <laughs> they can't do a lot of stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, <clears throat> now as far as uh, preparing people for, for camp, I know you prepare people, people for camp. Do you kind of, do y'all kind of get involved with the teams or do you just have you all, do you all have your own kind of game plan? I mean, we, when, once it starts getting closer to camp, we kind of rev it up just to get the body ready. You know what I'm saying? For all the reps they're about to go through and everything like that. But no, nah, we don't we don't contact the teams. We work for the we, you know, say we're working with the players. You gotcha. know what I'm saying? Like we're there for the player. Whatever the player wanna do, whatever the player wanna work out, work on, you know what I'm saying? We'll draw it up. It's some stuff that we might see that, you know what I'm saying, they, they might need to work on. You know what I'm saying? If they're open to it, we'll work on we'll work on it. But we're there to, to get the player better. Whatever the player wants, you know what I'm saying, we're going to try our best to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, <clears throat> I know, of course, you're a former NFL wide receiver. And you train players. Uh, do you train players that don't play the wide receiver spot as well? Uh, I kind of – I kind of just try to stay in my lane when it comes to that. I kind of try to stay where my intelligence is, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of stay in the receiver lane. But other positions, I really, like, just try to put my ear in, put my, you know what I'm saying, put my input in of something that I didn't heard before or something I didn't seen because I didn't I didn't play with some, uh, a Hall of Fame back, you know what I'm saying? Say Frank Gore, I didn't play with – Hall of Fame uh, 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 O-lineman and Joe Staley. You know what I'm saying? I didn't play with 
D linemen. As you know, what I'm saying they might get into the Hall of Fame, they might not. But during the era, they was great. Alder Smith, Justin Smith, Ray McDonald. You know, what I'm saying Ahmad Brooks. Then you know, what I'm saying when I was out there and said, uh, I ain't gonna say I said South Carolina, but South uh, San Fran. Uh, my DB core was Eric Reed, Carlos Rogers, Terrell Brown, Dante Whitner. You know what I'm saying? Great, smart bets, along with Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. So I used to pick their brains out there just to see what they thinking. You know what I'm saying? But I don't really try to put that much input into any other positions because I don't want to tell you some bullshit. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to tell you some, something that – I don't know what I'm talking about. If I can't give you the why behind it, I probably won't say nothing about it. Gotcha. Understood. Understood. Now, <clears throat> for athletes that are uh, training for camps, no matter what level, what is some advice you would give to them? Man, definitely got to be hydrated first. Definitely got to be stretched out. Hydrated, stretched out, and sleep. Whenever you can, you got to get that sleep because them days start – Rolling together, you don't even know what day it is. You just know I got about four, five hours of sleep, <laughs> and then I gotta get up and do it again. <laughs> right, right. Now I just say sleep, water, and stretching. That's it. And eat. That's it. That's yeah. all you can do. And study, but you're 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 almost like you're supposed to study because that's your profession now. You know what I'm saying? So sleep, water, rest, <laughs> food. That's it. Gotcha. Now, let's see. Of course, you're still in the area. So what do you look forward to seeing from some teams in the NFC, AFC South, perhaps, this year? I heard you already yeah. talked about Tennessee. So Okay. Okay, let's go to Jacksonville. I don't know. It's just – it's an iffy with Jacksonville. You just got to see how they just do the first year because, you know, they got so much stuff going on down there that, you know, it might not even be about football <laughs> down there in Jacksonville. <laughs> Uh, the Colts, who they quarterback now? Colts is uh, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. I mean, hey, Carson Wentz done won him a bowl before, but he done had some down years, but he done still been there. You know what I'm saying? He done still been to the, you know, big game, even though he didn't play, he still got some playoff experience. You know what I'm saying? Everything like that. Colts got a pretty good defense, good pass for us. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, they defense probably gonna have to keep them in the game. I don't, I don't put my money on Carson Wentz to go win any games. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Uh, Houston is the other team, Houston. and we already know the Deshaun Watson situation. But uh, you know, Houston, Houston gonna, Houston gonna kill itself. So I ain't got, you know, Houston is Houston since they let my boy uh uh hop go, man. So I know that was good for the Titans fans, but you know, <laughs> hop used to get off. <laughs> yeah, he did. He definitely did. I mean, he didn't drop very many passes at all. He didn't, you know what I'm saying, with about 15 different quarterbacks. <laughs> That's true, right. Right. Now, yes, you know, definitely, of course, we went over a few things, but I want to give you the, the, the time to uh, talk to everybody, tell them where they can reach you on social media, tell them what you're doing now and, and everything there as well, if you would like to. Uh, you know, you can you can hit me up on Instagram, General P. You know what I'm saying? Underscore one zero. You know what I'm saying? Me, Mikey, share that name sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, you could you could uh train kids over there at David Lipscomb High School in Nashville, Tennessee. Ah, you froze up on me.
right. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in tonight. Uh, of course, uh, as far as Quinn, you can reach him at, uh, on, uh, like you mentioned, on uh, Instagram as well. Uh, you can meet him, reach him on Twitter as well. Uh, definitely, definitely want to thank him for his time tonight. And uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in. This has been another episode of Touring the AFC South. This Woody. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. I want to thank my guest, NFL Network's Jim Trotter and my cousin, former NFL wide receiver and current trainer, Quentin Patton. Stay tuned for what we have coming next week. If you want to follow me on Twitter, my uh, handle is at MikePatton82. Again, if you're not following the show, go ahead and click the subscribe button. Follow along whatever platform you listen on. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me that five-star rating and that, that review. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm, we're out.